Welcome to the Conservation Queens podcast. We are five girls who love the earth and have a passion for living a more eco-friendly life. We are real-life zoo employees, and as always, nothing that we say reflects our organizations, and all of our thoughts and opinions are our own. Please keep in mind that we try to keep this podcast at about PG-13, so if you have any younger listeners, you might want to review this content beforehand. And yeah, and I'm Emily A. I'm Emily B. I'm Kenzie. I'm Abby. And I'm Katie, and we are the Conservation Queens. And with that, we're going to get into this episode all about exotic pets. (laughs) Next episode. Well, why? We'll tell you why. Yeah. Why exactly are we talking about exotic pets? That is a great question. So, we actually got a fan shout out, a fan asked for this uh, by. The name of Butter the Otter. He's this cute little stuffed otter from the New Orleans Audubon Zoo. And he was asking us about exotic pets. And, you know, he loves otters. He thinks they're really cute. But he's also worried about them people taking them into their own personal homes. So we thought that was a great topic to discuss. Um, So that is what has brought us to our topic today. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Because I agree. This is a thing we should talk about. Oh, absolutely. For those who don't know, Katie is our primate queen. And exotic pets and primates, unfortunately, go hand in hand. So Quite literally, yes. because they have teeny tiny little monkey hands that terrify me. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll get find into out. that. We'll get into that. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also want to give a shout out to two of our other fans that have been sharing our most uh, recent episode and writing just really lovely things about it. Um, hyping us up and that is uh, two people I know Brooke and Gabby thank you guys so much for supporting us listening to us hyping us up to others you ladies rock and they've inspired me a lot um, on how to be more sustainable in my own life so they're two role models of mine as well oh can I add a little shout out that I totally just thought of of just now Um, I want to shout out to my little brother who I know does not listen to the podcast but that's okay (laughs) um he was kind enough to call me and have me walk through how to add the podcast to my dad's Apple podcast so that he could listen to Aww. it. Wow. Well, thanks, really James. Cute. Real MVP. All right. Um, all right. You'll Const- never hear this. Yes, <laughs> I know. My dad will hear it, but James will probably never hear it. His girlfriend listens and my dad listens, but he's just, you know, he's got better things to do, I guess, which, you know. That's all right. Whatever. There is it's not a-, a better thing to do. I would agree with you, but alas. Um, all right. Moving on. Conservation updates. What do we got? All right, so we got a couple things on the agenda today, which is exciting. So uh, AZA, Association of Zoos and Aquariums, has just added the Asian Hornbill to their SAFE program for species survival, which is awesome. Hornbills are so cute. Yes, oh, they really are. We, that's a, I really love hornbills. We can't get into this right now. We <laughs> cannot, but they are very cute. What else do so you got, Kenzie? <laughs> yeah. uh, so moving on. Um, microplastic rain is now a thing. Oh, so a little what? bit of a bump. Yeah, so I was looking through to see uh, the headlines in conservation and the Audubon Society's website. They had an article published earlier this week. Um, it was by a, uh, a biogeochemist named Brawny has actually been studying this pattern and will have her findings published uh, earlier this month in Science Magazine, where essentially what was happening was that 
microplastics, because they're so small, they're actually being carried up and are now falling as uh, <laughs> so, All right, conservation message. You want to know what you can do to solve this problem? Right, Stop using plastic. Well, yeah. there's that. But a lot of the microplastics that end up in waterways and in the water cycle um, are fibers off of clothing. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, things that you can do include, um, you know, reducing your purchasing of new brand new clothing um, and those that are made of unnatural fibers. So I've been doing a lot of thrifting, which is, you know, yeah, fun because good. you get new things and it's like shopping, but nicer, you know, you get and fun things. more eco-friendly. It's cheaper. It's more eco-friendly. You get fun things. <laughs> My aesthetic is that of like a 90-year-old man. So like, it I mean, I wasn't going to say it. I wasn't going to say it, but if you're going to say it, uh, I'm telling you, man, it. it's a good time. <laughs> it's All right. Good. Anything uh, else, Kenzie? So... Next one, uh, as we discussed earlier in our podcast a few episodes back, we are using our platform to talk more about or, ad- or amplify the voice- voices of people within conservation from the Black community. Uh, so earlier this month, it was hashtag Black Burgers Week, which was... Yes! <laughs> I knew Abby was Abby going was to yell. I, I was I so it. pumped that whole week. I was that, like, yes, everyone's allowed to be a burner. Yes, everyone is allowed to be everywhere. Let's just say that. Um, yeah. So earlier this month... But not in the Galapagos Islands. That's no, a problem, but no, keep going. Yeah. Uh, earlier this month, it was hashtag Black Burgers Week, and one such participant is Karina Newsom, who is a wildlife conservation, and she is badass. Um, follow her on Instagram at Hood Naturalist. She's really cool. She talks, obviously, about science and wildlife conservation and birding, but she also talks about her experiences as a Black woman in these spaces and, you know, what needs to happen and what needs to change to make sure that this field and just society in general is more inclusive and welcoming of all people because we love it we want that all right next up we have zoo news i think abby you got some stuff for us we sure do uh so in uh the franklin zoo the corpse flower which his name is fester which i'm assuming is a reference to the adams family but don't quote me on that (laughs) Um, it's in bloom, so for those who don't know, corpse flowers don't bloom very, very often, and when they do bloom, they smell like death. So it's pretty sweet, so you should all go see it. The last time it bloomed was back in 2014. Um, and if that's not enough for you, these blooms can be nine feet high and six feet wide. It's like Just a like whole, your college like, dorm room. I was going to say, like a queen-size <laughs> bed full of death. Amazing. I just say it's college dorm room, because that's about how big mine was. True. Uh, in other zoo news, I feel like a reporter now. Wow, I'm cool. <laughs> um, look at mom. I'm using my theater degree. Uh, <laughs> in a collaborative effort between the Moat Marine Laboratory, SeaWorld, and Florida um, Fish and Wildlife Council. Mm-hmm. Uh, mother. Okay, that one. <laughs> um, FWC. Perfect. Um, a mother manatee and her calf were successfully re-released back into the wild. Um, so mom's siesta was rehabbed after a boat strike injury, which is pretty common here in Florida with manatees. So being able to release a mother and her calf back in the wild is no small feat. So congratulations to those people. Thank you so much. If I'm not mistaken, they actually rescued mom while she was pregnant and she gave birth to baby at SeaWorld. In rehab. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a video of it. It was really great. That's incredible. So keep supporting uh, those places. Also just... The fact that the mother's name was Siesta. Mm-hmm. And the baby's name was Key. 
Where we all wish we could be right now. All right. So let's get on to the topic. Yeah. So this week we are discussing the exotic pet trade. And we want to make a clarification here because this gets a little kind of wonky depending on what you Google. But um, the exotic pet trade and then like the illegal wildlife trade are two separate entities. They are intertwined and often, you know, the people that work in these industries are working hand in hand. Um, but the exotic pet trade refers specifically to animals that are being transported for people to have them as pets, like pets in their house. Um, whereas the illegal wildlife trade is a much, much larger umbrella, and that includes um, animal products as well. So that would be things that like like uh, elephant ivory or rhino horns, things like that. Um, Pangolins. Exactly. Yeah, so yeah, we're gonna we're gonna focus on pets specifically today. So the exotic pet trade. Um, and we will probably, I'm sure, at some point have a wonderful episode about the exotic animal so, trade as a whole. Um, right. I just want to share a couple of facts with you guys to get started. Um, these were found either on the FWC site or the CDC website. So pretty reputable sources. Um, the CDC reported, now this number is over 10 years old, so take it with a grain of salt. I'm sure it's actually more now. Um, Especially now. Right. Mm-hmm. So in 2007, so 13 years ago, um, it was estimated that 40,000 primates, 4 million birds, um, over 600,000 reptiles, and over 350 million tropical fish are traded live every year. So, again, these wow. are numbers from 13 years ago, but you can only imagine that these numbers have gone up. Um, all right. And then another um, statistic that I found is, so the Convention on International Trade in Endangered Species, um, which goes by this lovely acronym, C-I-T-E-S, I don't even want to try to pronounce that. Sight. There you go. Perfect. Sighty. Amazing. Um, <laughs> they, so one of those two. <laughs> they are the big kind of um, name in the illegal pet trade and wildlife trade. They are responsible for trying to create some regulation and, you know, stop this. Um, but the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service as well. So those two entities, the CITES or whatever you want to call it. Um, and Kites. Perfect. <laughs> Uh, they and fish and wildlife here in the United States are responsible for trying to enforce um, these laws. Now for these regulations, I've mentioned those two, I will tell you that they are not often enforced. Um, Mm -hmm. It is basically never people pretty much get away with whatever they want. I actually spoke to a fish and wildlife officer um, when I worked at the turtle hospital because they would um, come to check our, Turtle biofacts, because you're not allowed to have sea turtle items because they're an endangered species. Uh, but they Unless you have explicit permission. Correct. And, which we did. Um, but they would come to check it out periodically. And they basically said that the people who do this illegal pet trade, they get away with it pretty much 100% of the time. Um, Kenzie, you had something to add? Yeah, I do. So just a little tidbit, and we'll probably cover this more in wildlife trade in general, but... It's been proven that profits from the illegal pet trade and these people get away with it. Uh, They are often tied to criminal syndicates, which is often tied to drug trafficking, arms trafficking and human trafficking. So, uh, yeah, it has it's it's a pretty dirty, dirty subject. I would call it a lose lose situation. Yeah. (laughs) Explain. Yeah, that's (laughs) sorry. (laughs) Yeah. Um, All right. So moving forward. um, So what happens when they are caught? So like we said, this does not happen often, but a lot of times um, animals that are caught being illegally traded, um, they may go to zoos and aquariums, which, you know, is better than probably the alternative. 
so what happens when these animals are caught? So a lot of them do go to zoos and aquariums, which is better than the alternative. Um, and I actually have a little story. So when I worked at the Waikiki Aquarium in Hawaii, um, they have a whole part of their exhibit hall that is just animals that have come from the Honolulu airport. Um, basically, Hawaii has very strict rules about um, plants, animals, etc. They are very concerned about disease being introduced or just invasive species in general because they don't have the best history, as we talked about in the last episode. Um, so they have tons of corals that had been confiscated at the airport, tons of interesting fish, fish for some reason, um, and then some rays as well. So, um, so a bunch of the um, education animals at the zoo I used to work at came from um, different airports and they were seized at. Like we had some critically endangered Madagascar tortoises that were from the airport because somebody was trying to bring them into the United States. Love that. Yeah. So they were alive. Like these aren't even dead ones. These are live animals that people are trying to smuggle. Well, and and, you know, that's a good point. Many of the animals that are being trafficked illegally die during that trafficking. Like if someone is bringing a hundred birds over, chances are a majority of them are not going to make it. That's why they bring a hundred. Yeah. It's awful. Yeah. I think Katie, you also have um, a little story to share too. Yeah. So it's more, not so much with the animal trafficking, more of what happens uh, after if they do make it to be sold um, as a pet is oftentimes even after that point, they still end up um, either returning to a zoo or a sanctuary because people realize how uh, impossible it is to take care of an exotic pet. Uh, the mm-hmm. zoo I interned at, the Plumpton Park Zoo, a uh, lot of the animals that we had were given up and previously pets um, literally dropped at the zoo's doorstep uh, in a cage. Basically, a lot of the birds that we had were uh, from that situation. Uh, this led to a lot of them having severe behavioral issues, and we'll talk a little bit about that um, as we get more into exotic pets. Um, so a lot of our birds had attachment issues or aggression issues. Um, and we also had a capuchin monkey who I love dearly. His name was Susie. Um, his name was Susie because his previous owner did not realize he was a boy um, until she oh. surrendered him to the zoo. And then as soon as the zoo got him, they were like, oh, this is a male capuchin monkey. <laughs> Um, (laughs) but his situation always made me very sad because he he was never socialized properly he'd been housed Uh alone with his owner his whole life and uh, because of that had to be housed alone at our zoo and uh, he had a lot of behavioral issues as well but he was also very old Um, so it was just that kind of situation that I guess opened my eyes personally to the dangers of having an exotic pet but what it could really mean for those animals as well yeah yeah, yeah. So. And you guys definitely touched on um, uh, great examples, or I guess horrible examples, of why it's bad to have um, exotic pets. Um, a lot of the times these, anger- these animals are either already endangered or they're becoming endangered. Be- <laughs> um, so I guess some more of the bad things that you guys talked about, um, which is the care. Um, just like Katie mentioned, she had great examples of animals who are wild animals that were taken in as pets um and it's literally from animals as simple as like a snake all the way up to more complex animals like primates they are not easy to care for like 
even a snake or a tarantula. Like, they're all very difficult. Um, and all of these animals have very specific enrichment and food diets that they need and habitats as well. Um, and I think one of the things that kind of gets missed a lot as one of the most dangerous things is transmittable diseases. It's important thing that we should drive this home Before is that you wild go animals... into this, oh, okay. Emily, I just, because you made a really good point earlier, and I think it goes right into this, is that, you know, you said taking care of these kinds of exotic pets is not easy. It's not even easy to take care of a domestic Let pet. me tell you. <laughs> Holy cow. You're not wrong. <laughs> Evie, go off. Go off, Evie. She's about to get into is, you know, the difference between domesticated versus tame versus wild. Well, the point is taking care of any animal, regardless of whether they're domesticated or not, has its challenges and each mm-hmm. individual animal is unique and like it's a full time job. That's why we it's go a full time commitment. I will also say if I could, I would definitely have a tarantula as a pet, just saying. If I could, yeah. if I thought I would be able to take care of it properly. But all of our right, but you time. are being a responsible person, Kenzie, by saying, you know what? I cannot care for this animal, so I'm not going to get it. <laughs> nope. <laughs> so, um, just to bring it back with the difference between domestic, tame, habituated, and wild. Um, domestic animals, I just I umbrella this under animals that tend to seek out humans for comfort. So, like our dogs and our cats seek out humans for comfort. Oh, I have an um, actual definitions for domestic animals. Go for they it. They are animals that have been bred for human use over thousands so, and yes. thousands of years for, for thousands thousands of years so yes. when you think of like like cattle like angus cattle those have been mm-hmm. bred for thousands of years for humans to eat if you think of our dogs they were bred for thousands of years first to do jobs and now to be our pets or to still do jobs right so these mm-hmm. are animals that have thousands of years genetics backing them up so even though back then maybe it's like maybe we shouldn't have a wolf in our house like now, if you're like, maybe I could get a husky, that's way different than bringing a wolf into your house. <laughs> um, well, furthering on to that, um, the tamed or habituated, um, that's essentially an animal that still possesses wild traits, like a lot of the animals that you see um, at zoos or aquariums, but they rely on humans for survival. So if we were to just go ahead and let them be free out in the wild, it is like 99% likely that they will not survive because they are now habituated to people. Um, and then wild, well, you know, they're wild and they live in the wild. And they hate us. <laughs> yeah, and they want nothing to do with people. Um, so that's just kind of like the difference between uh, domestic, tamed, and wild. Um, and I think we wanted to bring that up because it is very important to remember that wild animals can never be domesticated. Correct. Unless you got a thousand years to just like sit on that. Yeah, but I don't think anyone's immortal. So. I hope. Yeah, I hope not. That sounds terrible. <laughs> not that we're aware of. <laughs> well, should we uh, jump into one of our first animal examples, which I think um, is actually request? Yeah, yes, so absolutely, definitely. Go ahead, uh, so I'm sure. Yeah, awesome. Let's go off. So. As- <laughs> <laughs> If you guys have not figured it out yet, this whole podcast is just so we can go off about things we like to talk about. Yeah, this is um, educated roast sessions. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. 
times. Um, so as we said earlier in the beginning of this episode, this episode was actually requested by a cute little fuzzy uh, friend of ours named Butter the Otter. Stuffed and, animal. Um, stuffed animal, yes, we'd like to clarify. Um, and he had a concern about people wanting otters as pets. So we all know otters, they're super cute. They're adorable. They make the most adorable sounds ever. I love watching them. I love going to visit them at the zoos because they're so playful. Uh, but what's happening, unfortunately, is that otters out in the wild are being poached for the pet trade. And mainly this is focused on Asian small clawed otters. Now, this is due in a large part to a boom on social media trends and influencers who have them as pets. So, boo, we're going to talk a little bit more about that. Um, and let me tell you guys, otters, as cute as they are, not great pets. Oh, awful. And, you know, Wow, who would have figured a wild animal in your home? Not a great pet. Never, never you imagined can't see that. See me, but I'm I'm making a surprise <laughs> Pikachu face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's very, I think, very easy for people to see a video of an otter in someone's home acting very, very cute for a minute to mm. make you think, oh that would be a great pet because in that video that otter was just being cute it was just kind of playing with a toy you know it was doing whatever that is such a small snapshot of what's going on in that whole they're so smelly situation oh yeah. they stink <laughs> they and they can be quite aggressive and i, I relate to that because i'm also small and aggressive <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> but that like one little minute of it on its belly, letting you pet it, I guarantee you the rest 90% of the time it is tearing up your furniture. It's, you know, using the bathroom all over the house. It's musk all everywhere. out of you. Yes. Mm-hmm. And also, too, it's really hard to provide for them socially. These guys are social animals and out in the wild, they live in family groups and they can live in groups of up to 15 and they require a large water habitat. And I don't know about they you guys, but swim. I don't for that (laughs) yeah they do like to swim Mm all right i have to i have to say this story because we're here um okay i wasn't going to but i have to so i used to work at a facility that had sea otters and this facility um one of the sea otters somehow got like a carabiner um like a d-link carabiner and it cracked the glass of the enclosure the acrylic and the guy who who came to repair it asked the keepers how did this happen and the keeper said well the otter did it like with the carabiner and the guy was like no that's absolutely impossible like I could hit this acrylic with my hammer and it would not break and they're like yeah the otter did it and it's they're mustelids they're like a freaking badger okay like that's all I have to say about that they're destructive that's part of their natural behavior is to be destructive they literally break open they literally break open shells to get food like they eat sea urchins. We talked about this. Yeah, <laughs> they, you know, have really mm-hmm. high calorie intake because they are, their metabolism is crazy. They are the John Cena of the animal world. That's pretty true, actually. <laughs> I'm, I'm not wrong. No, you're not. <laughs> and gorillas are like there you go. John Cena's. <laughs> All right. What other animals we got to so talk about? So just because it's well, cute doesn't mean we need yeah. it in our homes. And Emily, right. Emily what about, I think, is going to talk like about Like a nice yeah. picture. Or like a stuffed animal. animal. There we go. Oh, yeah. Good alternative. Yeah, a stuffed Get animal. a stuffed animal. That's yeah. great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah, animal I that supports wildlife conservation. Wow, like Super from the awesome. World yes. Wildlife Foundation website where you can adopt one symbolically. 
Yeah, you mean like the eight stuffed animals that are currently sitting on my bed? Yeah. Yeah, it's great. (laughs) Just clarifying. What are some other cute ones? Yeah. Yeah. So I have another um, highly destructive and highly adorable animal. Um, Foxes. They're so cute. Um, They're just little dogs. No. (laughs) (laughs) I'm about to tell you why they're not dogs. But um, quite possibly the most famous fox in the pet trade is the fennec fox. Am I saying that correctly? Yeah. I used to want one. I actually went through all the trouble of looking through like how to get one. Turns out they're $10,000 and that's really hard for an eight-year-old to get. Fennec fox, um, I encourage you to look them up. Um, They are very cute. They're the smallest fox in the world. Um, but even though they're cute, they are a wild animal and they do not make good pets. Um, so I have a list of things, uh, telling you about why they do not make good pets. <laughs> um, they will never be cuddly with you. Um, and most of them rarely like to even be held or even touched. Um, and they're actually prey animals, so they're extremely skittish and they can get scared really easily, which means they can get stressed and sick very easily as well. Um, and they're actually not typically solitary animals in the wild, which this becomes kind of sad because a lot of people who have fennec foxes as pets, they just have one. Um, and that's not natural for their natural behavior. Um, they are also native to the Sahara desert, which means it's gets very, very hot and it gets cold at night. Um, and I think most of us do not live, um, in the Sahara desert. So um, creating a habitat for them is extremely difficult. Um, And the diet that they have is also very difficult to get. Um, Please, if you have one of these animals, do not give it dog or cat food because it's not a dog or a cat. (laughs) Um, And these guys will pee on everything. (laughs) Literally everything. (laughs) And it smells bad. Like you think cat pee smells bad, like fox pee is next level. (laughs) The fennec fox uh, also digs and chews up everything, just like we said that the otters do. The fennec fox is the same exact thing. Um, So it's pretty much guaranteed they'll destroy your yard and your house. Uh, And the last thing is that just driving home, they are wild animals. So that means that they can get very aggressive with people and other pets if you have them in your house. But Emily, what about domesticated foxes? That's totally a thing, right? my goodness well this is a hot topic (laughs) debate (laughs) so um domestic foxes uh is highly debated on scientists i tried googling to see if there is like yes definitely there are domestic foxes or no there are not and i could not find an answer um so some of them disagree that it even exists and some say that yes they're definitely domestic um so these quote-unquote domestic foxes um they've only been bred for 60 years whereas dogs have been bred for over 20 to 40,000 years cats on the other hand were bred for 10,000 years and even horses were bred for 6,000 years so it cannot compare it's been a hot minute well not for the foxes (laughs) no but but for for our other animals that we have yes foxes (laughs) are still like just just like a a temperate minute yeah. <laughs> Not even. Like an arctic minute. Fine, an a arctic tundra minute. minute. Whatever. There you go. I like a tundra minute. There we go. How many um, violins can we name? But at the end... <laughs> all of them. 
<laughs> at the end of the day, uh, these domestic foxes are still wild. They possess very many wild traits, and they still do not seek out humans for comfort. Um, they're very friendly around people, but they're never going to be afraid and run to a human. Um, more like your dog or your cat might actually do that. Um, and caring for any type of fox will be very similar to all of the things that I mentioned for the fennec fox. Um, so they're still very, very difficult to care for. And I think the thing that um, is trips me up the most um, is, is it even ethical to breed them to be domestic? I don't know. <laughs> well on uh, to our next animal that we have i think emily's ready for that yes one. yes yes yeah, i'm ready? ready um the one bird that emily's like ready to go off on well here's the thing <laughs> i don't even like birds but you know what that's what i'm saying <laughs> full disclosure <laughs> full disclosure i do not like birds and i do not like monkeys i think it has to do with the birds have beady little eyes which you know i understand not that all yeah well an ostrich has an eye and it's like the size of like a freaking baseball tell me that's not terrifying <laughs> It's not terrifying until it sticks its head in your car, right, Emily? <laughs> oh, yes. Anemia has done that to me. All right. Do not recommend. All right. So anyway. Also, don't get those as pets. Keep going. Oh, my no. goodness. Okay. Um, so the next animal we are going to talk about um, in this illegal pet trade is different parrots um, and tropical birds. Um I was looking up some information. I got all this information from the Smithsonian website. Um, so you can check it out there if you're interested. But up to 500,000 parrots are poached annually in the America. So North, North Central and South America. Um, and that's just the America. So um, in the illegal pet trade is birds. Um, specifically, we're going to talk about parrots and tropical birds. Um, but someone just asked about penguins. Um, penguins are not in the illegal pet trade, to my knowledge. Um, most of them are right. endangered. Of the 18 species of penguins that exist, 13 are endangered, so you can't get one. They also poop every eight minutes. Um, sure. I could go <laughs> on and on about why penguins now. would make a terrible pet. but Oh, they would. But I was looking at a, I was looking at a website called exoticanimalsforsale.net. Oh, no. Which is lovely, right? <laughs> um, oh, no. <laughs> so it basically says you will not see penguins for sale on this or any other website which is great um but it is to my knowledge of my 30 second google search completely illegal in everywhere to own a pet penguin so they're protected by a lot of international laws because antarctica is not owned by any one country um but they're not just in antarctica which we will talk about later because yes they are all over the southern hemisphere um back to parrots so up to 500,000 parrots are poached annually just in the Americas. So you can only imagine extrapolating that number out to the other continents. Um, over 140 different species of birds have become endangered due to poaching. Um, so this is completely unsustainable. Um, it is a huge business, especially in South America. Um, in a lot of countries in South America, it's culturally important to have exotic pets. Um, like it's a status mm-hmm. symbol. So that's how they end up with these pets, like these very exotic parrots or monkeys, um, which we'll talk about in just a little bit. Um, I read this article from the Smithsonian about how in the Amazon they actually have um, people whose entire job it is is to go find these birds to sell. And what they'll do is they will go along the rivers where these birds will lay their nests in the trees and they will actually cut down the trees to get to the nests, um, like we mentioned a little bit ago. Um, So they're not only destroying those animals, but they're destroying the habitat that they live in. So there's no chance of replenishment. Um, So it's just a whole big mess. Um, yeah, it's not great. 
it's pretty bad. Yeah. yeah. And there are situations where birds can be great pets, um, but they do take way more work than anybody thinks. Again, this is a do your research kind of issue. Um, but birds are super social. They're very, very loud. Anybody with a bird will tell you that. They poop a lot. As I mentioned, penguins poop every eight minutes. Most birds are not too far behind. Um, I was going to say, they just, you have to be far behind them. Yeah, no kidding. Um, they chew on everything. They need a lot of attention. You thought your golden retriever needs attention? <laughs> Ellie. Um, <laughs> let me tell you a thing. Birds need more. Um, and they, they need their own room. Right. And they live for such a long time. Um, people who get these birds, like um, cockatiels, macaws, etc. These birds can live upwards They're of 60, 70 years. You. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the oldest parrot on record that was in human care was over 100 years exactly. old. Exactly. So it was. I'm pretty sure it was 112. Right. That's what I thought too. Yeah. You know, these are things that if you're going to invest in this animal, um, that's what you're doing. You're investing in, you know, their welfare. Um, research, and you need to make sure you're doing right, not only by yourself, but by that animal as well. So, you know, paying attention to where they come from, how they've been treated before you get them. Um, and, taking into account the money and time and effort it's going to take to take care of them. But, um, right. moving... Because they can be wonderful right. pets. Right. Now and tell many us, people yes, have Katie. birds as pets. It's just, like you said, making sure they come from a responsible place and knowing what you're getting into beforehand. And having, birds. and having your house set up ready for that responsibility. Yeah, that's a big one. Yes, please uh, do not nature. put a yeah. African parrot or a macaw in a tiny little cage it won't be great yeah. for them it's not cute folks and make sure they have plenty of enrichment too because they're so i don't know quote unquote intelligent <laughs> but what else is smart primates are smart they sure uh, are. and with that segue here comes katie so primates as pets just a big no-no i uh, this is a subject close to my heart obviously but I think the appeal for primates as pets comes from a lot of a lot of things. First, they're cute. I know not everyone here may agree with me. Emily. Yeah. The appeal for primates as pets comes from a lot of things. Number one, they're they're really cute. They I don't know not everyone agrees, but I think <laughs> they're really cute. Uh, if you've ever seen a cotton top tamarind, that's a oh. super small or marmoset tamarinds. They're oh. the very 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 small monkeys. That, you know, maybe would fit the palm of your hand. People see that, think, wow, mini monkey, what could be a more perfect pet? I'll tell you, literally anything like else. They look like what? They look like Einstein. They do. They have wild <laughs> hair. However, <laughs> if you're looking at something like a cotton top tamarind, they uh, are critically endangered. They live down in Columbia, and one of the major reasons they're critically endangered is due to um, them being taken from the wild for pets. So while they may seem appealing, often the consequences are much greater. Uh, you see primates a lot in movies and TV shows. I'm looking at you, friends, and you see that, um, but not just from, you know, you, Night at the Museum, Pirates of the Caribbean. You see lots of monkeys in movies. It's not uncommon. However, that does then send the idea out there that, oh, maybe I could also have a monkey on my shoulder and command a really cool pirate ship because that's how that works. Beeves uh, thought so. There has also been a lot of celebrities that have had primates as pets, like Justin Bieber, um, which often, you know, these people have a lot of influence and people want to be just like them. And then, bam, 
more people want primates as pets. And they're just awesome animals. They're intelligent. They appeal to a lot of people because they are very human-like. You know, they're our closest living relatives. Uh, And a lot of people feel that they can treat them like a baby or dress them up like a human. And uh, I'll talk about that in a bit. It doesn't really work out. First of all, primates, they're aggressive. They're naturally aggressive. Once they reach sexual maturity, they're going to want to establish dominance and establish a hierarchy. Uh, This results in attacks, scratches, bite it, you name it. And I think Emily A. mentioned it before. Uh, they pose a health threat. They spread a lot of diseases, mm-hmm. especially herpes B, um, between yeah. humans and primates, which is very, very dangerous. They also require and, uh, so much attention and socialization, y'all. They're primates. They're like us. They need to be around others of their species. Have That's ever, really important. Have you guys ever babies had a baby before, like a newborn baby? Yes. So fussy. <laughs> it's yes. so hard. Yes. It is so if hard. you have a primate, it's basically like having a toddler for 40 years. Times so 10. Yes. Times, Times 10, 10, I would say. Because you can yell they're at a much toddler more... and they'll understand to say, like if you say, get off the shed, the toddler will get off Why the shed. Why is the toddler on the shed? <laughs> <laughs> the toddler yeah. is very dexterous. Also, wasn't there, a, this is a very extreme example, but I think a couple years back, I remember a news report where a woman had a chimpanzee as a pet and he attacked her and like yes. she had to get facial yes. oh, that's surgery. Like a super not, famous example. This is not uncommon. Yeah. <laughs> that's not the only example out there, especially with chimpanzees. They are one of the most aggressive primates out there, apes out there. Uh, We've talked about this before. Fundamentally, yes, part of their like behavior. bonobos make love, chimpanzees make, make war. war. This is <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, but that's because that's how their their social groupings work. That's what they've adapted to in their natural environments. And uh, that's the really important thing is a lot of people think, well, a primate will still have a social group. It's just me and my family. So mm-hmm. it's, yeah, there's actually a really great quote um, from a veterinarian. His name's Kevin Wright. He works at the Phoenix Zoo. Um, he says that if you try to keep them them being primates as pets you're creating a mentally disturbed animal in 99.9 percent of the cases the animal will never be able to fit in any other home never learn how to get along with other monkeys and more often than not will end up with a lot of behavioral traits that are self-destructive uh so that's just you know case in point right there they need to be socialized with their own kind uh in order to develop healthy natural behaviors uh, and another thing I found that was super interesting was the founder of the Primate Rescue Center in Kentucky. There are a lot of primate rescue centers out there. Oftentimes they are sanctuaries or rehabilitation centers for primates that have been pets or have been in laboratories uh, kind of studies. Um, she says that she often gets students like that call her uh, that are studying animal sciences asking if they can come study the behavior of the primates in the sanctuary because there's a group of, you know, about 50 of them there. And they can't allow them to do that because their behavior is nothing close to normal. Like, it would be completely irrelevant in a scientific study because all the primates there um, were reared in isolation and they don't eat normally, they don't interact with others normally, so it would be just completely invalid, which I think is very telling. That is so sad. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Um, it's estimated there are about 15,000 primates kept as pets in the U.S. And, I mean, I've already mentioned a bit why it's bad, but I think the biggest reason or the biggest problem with the idea of having primates as pets is the conservation aspect of it. So I mentioned cotton-top tamarins and how uh, the capture of them for the pet trade is detrimental to their population, but it's also detrimental to see others having primates as pets um, mm-hmm. on yeah. people's view of conservation. Well, so, Katie, can you talk a little bit about what happens, like especially with gorillas as pets? Because I think that's a really – or orangutans are another big one. That's yeah. it. Um, I feel like chimpanzees is one you see the most because um, they're yeah. so human-like. They're so charismatic, yeah, that people really tend to anthropomorphize them especially. But there was a really interesting study that came out of the Lincoln Park Zoo where uh, they studied the impact of seeing primates in a human setting, like wearing clothing or posing with humans, uh, on what people, you know, kind of thought of that or what it made them think of when they saw those images. And people who viewed those images were less likely to think about threats facing primates in the wild and Mm -hmm. less interested in conserving them than if they saw a primate in a more natural setting, like at a zoo or in a nature documentary, um, and actually in a, in a, you know, normal social group with other primates, uh, or in their wild habitat. Yeah. So when we see animals like sharing, when we see videos or pictures of them being shared as pets or performers, it usually tells people, Oh, that's so cute. Uh, that's funny that's you know you're not thinking of that that animal as a wild animal you're not thinking about their situation in the wild you're thinking about uh, the humor in that post really or the cuteness in that post mm-hmm. which isn't you know I'm not trying to say if you saw a picture online because I know I did this you know for a majority of my life if I saw a cute picture or video of a monkey um, I'd probably share it no hesitation without thinking like, oh, wait, well, why are they, you know, being fed from a bottle or why are they yeah. you know, getting brushed by a person yeah. right now? I'll talk um, about that more later, too, in specific of why yeah. it's so such a problem. But yeah. And really... one of the things that you talked about with having mm-hmm. them as pets and how they don't experience normal behavior. Um, one of the things that I saw that happens. um pretty often and I think it's like really sad when they don't experience their normal behavior because then they're actually not able to even be with another group of primates and if they do go to a zoo like you had that experience uh, a lot of the times it's like very difficult to be able to reincorporate them into a group with other primates um, and a lot it of times possible it, it would ju- it does take a lot of effort and a lot yes. of time and a lot mm-hmm. of um, work on behavior and you know and it's completely avoidable informed. yes right that's, yeah that's true that's the big yeah. thing so, but right. what, yeah I think a big question though is like what exactly you know we talked a little bit about it but like how accessible is this what are the influences that make people want to get these pets and stuff you know like emily how easy is it to like get an exotic pet what do i have to do yeah yeah. (laughs) well (laughs) i just did like a quick google search just to see like what comes up if you type the words exotic pets 
Um, and what came up, honestly, was very alarming. Um, very little of the information out there was about why not to have an exotic pet, and most of it encourages it. Um, there are some links that will tell you, like, oh, like, these are the things that make it difficult having this pet, but you should still get it as a pet, um, which ultimately is still encouraging. Um, so just an example of some of the links that I saw that popped up were exotic animals for sale. 10 legal exotic pets that pose no threat to public safety, safety, um, which I highly doubt that's true. (laughs) Um, And then another one was seven legal exotic pets that have easy care, Um, which based on what we talked about, I guarantee that's probably also false. Um, And the list goes on with things that come up. So um, anybody want a lesser anteater? There's one for sale in Michigan. Oh, boy. What? No, 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 we don't want that. Or Abby, a sloth. Stop looking up. No, <laughs> that. I'm just saying. Oh, I, I searched. I searched for like pets. I, I search. I'm just yeah. saying. It took me less than a minute, and I'm already on a page that has a, a huge list of these exotic pets that are that are for sale so easily. It tells you yeah. where they're from, how much they cost, and like. That's it. Mm-hmm. Right. So accessibility yeah. is obviously scary and an issue. And yeah, there's some like really big cats on this website too. So that's a oh marmoset monkeys. There, third page. Mm-hmm. Ah no. Well, that just shows how uh, easy it is um, to get animals <laughs> as exotic pets. Um, but Abby, why don't you tell us what actually? starts the encouragement i think katie kind of touched on it too katie did yeah so flashback to this really cool website called facebook that everyone has we're on it follow conservation queens because you can hear about things like what you're not supposed to do like share these kinds of videos um so through websites like youtube and facebook people have started seeing um at a much greater audience exotic animals as pets in a normal, as a normal thing. Um, so there's a lot of websites out there that post videos of exotic pets doing cute or human behaviors, which to us were like, Oh, look at it. It's adorable. Or like, Oh my gosh, it's so cute. This is going to be hard for people to hear, but that is a form of animal abuse. Um, sharing these videos, making your animals do these crazy things um not your animals but people who have exotic pets making animals do crazy Mm -hmm. things unnatural behaviors unnatural behaviors is a form of animal abuse through exploiting them so exploiting animals for human entertainment um if you think back to our first couple episodes that's like what menageries did and what circuses do and pretty much everyone agrees that circuses with animals are kind of should be on the downward spiral and they are but still people get these pets and they have them you know chimps wearing diapers is a huge indicator um or one huge example is through a slow loris have you guys heard of that animal before yes Mm -hmm. Yes, before you get into slow loris i want to throw something at you here how is this (laughs) different from and i'm not like i guess i'm playing devil's advocate here because i know yeah how is that different from, for example, uh, a zoo putting on a sea lion show? Oh, well, I'm so glad you asked. So for people who have pets that are for 
human entertainment, there is usually no educational value behind that. Whereas zoos um, are not only using these animals as a form of entertainment, but it's for the conservation of species like we talked about before. A good zoo, and that's a good zoo, is going to have some kind of conservation connection with these shows. And on top of that, the animals that are doing these kinds of shows are not showing any unnatural behaviors. So if you go to like SeaWorld and see the Shamu show, everything that Shamu does, orcas do out in the wild. If you go to see a sea lion show, everything they, that the sea lion is doing is a behavior that they would do in the wild. Now, it might not be exactly jumping through a hoop or balancing a beach ball on their nose, but those behaviors that you see are, are equated to behaviors that are out in the wild where they might jump up from the water or they might be balancing something on their nose. It also helps the trainers like look at the animal to make sure that they're healthy. Like say, that's a big thing. They may thing. not be natural behaviors, mm-hmm. but they're trained behaviors to assist with their husbandry. So having a sea lion yeah. slide up onto a surface, generally that's going to be we needed to train it to slide up onto a scale. It looks cool in the show too. We thought you guys would enjoy it. The sea yeah. lion gets positive <laughs> reinforcement for it. And the big thing is it's voluntary for the animals to participate yeah, in absolutely. the training. Yes, the animals do not have to do the behavior they're asked. If they don't want to, they can walk away. Uh, but there's usually no they're going to because I like fish. So mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. And it's also, it can be very enriching for the animal too. Like, oh, sh- for sure. Absolutely. Um, this zoo I used to work at has had a sea lion show that has been going on for over 60 years now. And Um, When I was trained at the zoo, they actually talked about how, like, the evolution of the show in particular starting out as, like, a way to entertain people. And now when you go to the show, they make it so clear, like, these are all behaviors that you would see either out in the wild or that we have trained our animals to do to assist in their veterinary or husbandry care. So it's Mm -hmm. something pretty cool. So that's another way you can tell if it's a good zoo because they'll tell you right out, this is something that they would do otherwise or that we need to do so that we can make sure our animal is as healthy as they can possibly be. Right. I just want um, to bring that up because I feel like that could be a slip or that's a very or a similar argument that a lot of people yeah. I think would make. Well, I think that was yeah. a great point to bring up Katie. Um, um, but absolutely. in the case of what you're about to say, like slow lorises, why is that totally not the case? Oh for, my like, gosh. Something like that. Well, before, before <laughs> we hit slow lorises, I will say that, um, you have to kind of take with a grain of salt videos that you're looking at of animals because I know in particular a lot of primates for at zoos, at good zoos, will get enrichment through t-shirts um, or like shopping bags. And one really interesting, and I think this is fascinating, an interesting behavior I've observed is that orangutans will like put on the t-shirt. And it's... <laughs> I know and- that orangutans really love blankets. I mean, really, a, a lot do. of apes love blankets. Because, like, who doesn't love a good blanket? I mean, seriously, I do. Um, but, like, when you look at that kind of thing, they were not being forced to put on the shirt. They were given the shirt, and they can do with it whatever they wanted, and they just chose to put it on, supposedly right. like a human. Which could bring up a lot of really interesting questions on, like, do they recognize that, like, we're similar and things like that? So it's an intelligence thing. But also... If they didn't want to do it and they wanted to just, like, kick the T-shirt down into the moat and be like, look, it's down there now. You can't get it. Then they can do that. <laughs> and no, and, and it's okay. They so, sure do. So just look at the source of the video, I think, is a big thing. Um, but slow lorises are an animal that have been completely heavily exploited through the media. Um, so for those who don't know, a slow loris is a small primate, Katie? Are they a primate? 
Yes. Yes, they are a primate. primate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what I thought. I was like, I'm 90. They're like the sure. only primate with venom, right? They <laughs> they're the only Yes, they're the only primate with the only mammal, but that's not true. The only primate that has venom. Um whoa, 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 whoa. They have venom. Yeah. Oh wow. Okay. I'm so cool. let's do let's Yeah, do. it's super cool. <laughs> um but what's interesting about Solaris is, is that so first of all they're nocturnal. They have these giant eyes, so they're super duper adorable. Um and their venom is actually stored in pockets underneath their armpits. So under their arms. So when they are feeling threatened, what they'll do is they will like reach into their arms, um, the venom gland will produce and they'll like lick under their armpits and that'll make their bite toxic. So that's how they kind of distribute the venom to whatever's going on. Mm-hmm. And as her name says, they are quite slow moving. Um, unfortunately, uh, they've been super duper exploited by the media, especially when it comes to like YouTube. And so often what you'll see is people who have Solaris as pets, they'll like turn the lights on really suddenly. And the first thing the Solaris does is raise up their arms. So if you didn't know about Solaris, you might look at that and be like, oh, look, he's being like, yay, the light's on. But if you have the background of knowing they're nocturnal and that's their defense. That's why that's they got such big eyes. That's why they got such big eyes. It's a huge red flag, right? If somebody is making a Solaris so scared that they are now producing venom, which, if you don't know, takes a ton of energy for a body to do. They're so terrified that they are raising up their arms. That animal is being exploited for no good reason. Um, So you said, like, that's an example of a fear behavior in a slow loris is raising their arms. Yes. And you write. So another example of a fear behavior that people see in not as not a fear behavior is with a lot of our great apes. So animals, um, especially gorillas. Um, Katie, or do other primates do this too? I think you know what I'm about to go into. Yeah, so bearing teeth in primates is something, like, uh, this is also a big thing you see with chimpanzees and uh, as people's pets a lot too, is videos of them smiling. Um, to us, <laughs> as humans, we bear our teeth as a sign of uh, friendliness and uh, you know, that's how that behavior is interpreted among humans. Uh, not so much among many primates when they bare their teeth. It is oftentimes done um, as a submissive behavior. Uh, so that can be out of fear um, from a more dominant air, uh, animal. They're bearing their teeth um, to show that they're submitting or other species bear their teeth as a warning sign of aggression. So while we might see it as smiling, it is often misinterpreted um, that way. Um, plus, if you're talking about a primate that's in a movie, they can be trained to smile on cue or to bare their teeth on cue, um, which is, you know, in that moment, not necessarily them being submissive or a warning sign of aggression. It's just that it's a trained behavior. So again, leading to that misinterpretation. Um, and these were things I didn't know until I, you know, went to college and learned about primates and their behavior. Uh, so it's not like we all have to be experts on every single oh, not animal's behavior. Because even yeah. when I think I first saw a video of a slow loris, I didn't know what arms up meant either. Uh, it's just that this is something we can be more aware of uh, when we're you know, seeing a cute video of an animal shared on social media and and just asking those questions of where is that animal? What is the source of this video? 
Um, are they in someone's house? Like, are they wearing clothing? Kind of the things we mentioned. For sure. Can make us a little more informed in what we're sharing and what we're uh, liking or following. And people are becoming more informed. I know that a while ago, the website, the Dodo, I don't know if you guys have heard of that. Oh, I have a lot of feelings. about. I do not like that site. (laughs) I don't either. But here's the thing. So when I was doing research for this topic, I was looking at the dodo because I was like, I know these guys are just like super exploiting of animals and da 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 da. And it's true. They still have some pretty uh, interesting videos out there of like people hugging tigers and stuff like that. But they don't have as many exotic animal videos as they used to. Okay. Maybe so, uh, I want a backstory eventually. Maybe, I, yeah. Still not yet, but maybe. Every in time the I future. see it. <laughs> Every time I see a video that exploits uh, any form of wildlife from the dodo, I <laughs> I alert them to Facebook, yeah. <laughs> and I write that it's animal abuse. <laughs> I mean, I agree, but I did look at their website, and I searched specifically, like, the dodo chimpanzees and, like, the dodo slow loris, and a lot of their stuff has... They took down. They took down okay, from, like, good. their actual website. I don't know about, you know, the internet's forever, right? We right, have to understand yeah, you that. You can't but... stop the sharing on Facebook, but... Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But they... It looks like they're at least starting to make an effort to get better. I'm not saying that they're a good website. Okay. I still... I'm still not going to follow them, but I'm okay. not going to follow them. I don't really agree with everything that they post, but I think they are definitely better than what they used to be. So you may be asking... If you see one of these videos on Facebook or Instagram or um, if you're an animal person, like we're all animal lovers, and some of your non-animal friends are like, I saw this really cute animal thing. You should look at this. What can you do to help the situation? And the answer is do what Emily A does. Number one, report the video as animal abuse if it is, in fact, animal abuse. And number two, if you um, want somebody to send you that video you can comment on the video itself or talk to the person who sent it to you and say, hey, just so you know, and don't blame them because they probably have no idea because it's something that people don't really realize. Just so you know, this is um, a form of animal abuse because this animal is showing a fear slash aggression behavior. Even though it looks cute, it's probably um, not in the best interest of that species to share it. If you're looking for other animal videos to share, here are some great ones from zoos and aquariums slash rescue centers slash national parks or wherever um that you can look for other cute animal content while also helping out their conservation so education is key sends me videos of monkeys and diapers all the time all the time she knows i love monkeys so to her of course that's like a cute monkey video my katie katie would love that i appreciate it I know she doesn't know any better, um, but those kinds of things, it's just like being, and I've actually talked to her about it. Um, like yeah. I would, I would tell her like, you know, that, that is really cute. Um, however, I don't know if that monkey is being treated the best and, and I'll explain it, but that's the whole thing is, is it's never with most of the time is being shared on social media. It's not with bad intention. It, no. It's just a lack of either, you know, education or, uh, we, we finding out better ways to advocate for uh, conservation for animals and what to share and what not to share. It's a learning game. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Especially on TikTok. I certainly too. learned that game. 
I've seen a lot yeah, of people on TikTok. That's probably because I follow a lot of zoos. So they're like, oh, you like exotic animals? Here's more. And I'm like, not that kind of exotic yeah. animal. That's uh, different. That's happened to me too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, was, I came across a video of a Finnick fox, um, funny enough, earlier. I was like, oh, that's so cute. And then I stopped and went, wait a second. This isn't a person's home. That's not okay. Right. So <laughs> something that I've learned, and this applies to more than just exotic animals, is the first thing that you end up that you think like your automatic response is what you've been trained to think. But then your second thought is what you don't usually know is right or wrong. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's something that you yeah. can think of too, is like, if your first response is, Oh my gosh, that's so cute. Don't beat yourself up over it because social media is telling us this is a really cute thing. You should like this, mm-hmm. but then be the bigger person and say, I'm not going to support that kind of thing and either report it, um, unfollow that website or, let the person know that that's not something that you are okay with them sharing with you or with anybody else. Right. Yeah. And like, it's okay if you see something and you think it's cute because that's, I just feel like that's a natural human reaction, especially something that's small and fluffy looking. Oh, God. And, I mean, no, we're all suckers no. for that. Come on. I'd like you all to know that if you get a golden retriever, allegedly they may retrieve you gold. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> But this goes right into our conservation connection, which is choose your pets wisely. Oh, please, dear God, choose your pets wisely. Do your research and do not support the exotic animal trade. So if you are getting a pet that maybe isn't just a cat or a dog. Or if um, it is. Or if it is, that's true. That research and know where they're coming from, no matter what it is. But we mentioned a lot of animals, like we mentioned otters, foxes, uh, primates, a lot of big sexy megafauna oh my god uh, Did I hear yeah <laughs> sorry <laughs> however there were a lot of animals we didn't mention like reptiles snakes lizards fish and tarantulas that are all oh. very much included in this issue as much as we uh, love that- finding nemo yeah, don't then everybody fish, wanted y'all. to get a clownfish. Or if you're going to get a clownfish, clown get it from a sustainable source. That's all I have. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, and if you get a blue sturgeon fish or blue, um, sturgeon what are they fish. called? Yeah. Blue, it, right? What's, is that what they're called? That's is Dory. That yeah. A blue tang. Mm-hmm. That's what I meant. Or if a you get a blue fish. Yeah. Or a sturgeon fish. If you get a blue tang, let me give you a piece of advice. Don't. They're stupid difficult to take care of. <laughs> uh, and unless you are a master aquarist, don't do it listen even master aquarists don't understand like they're not a starter fish that's no we, <laughs> here's the thing. it's difficult we work with the top aquarists in the nation and they are still a little bit bamboozled by blue tanks yes like they cannot figure out quite a few things so just don't do it it's yeah. easier yeah. So, yeah moral of the story choose pets wisely take a picture of dory yeah. to your fish tank yeah <laughs> fabulous that'll work yeah so uh um, with that said go. um <laughs> thank you guys for joining us on this uh hot topic debate about the exotic pet trade um and get out there and change the world y'all bye yeah. have a great day y'all bye, bye.